Well, Dick, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week as you head into the weekend as uh, recording this on uh, on Thursday night. But uh, but yeah, now we're just about to, a week out from when Texas Tech will take on Eastern Washington in this 2017 season opener. So excited to get football season started around here. I think uh, you, you know everyone from coaches to players to uh, even us as as media members. I think at this point there's just not much left to talk about until. Uh, you know, foot meets ball on on next Saturday afternoon when uh, when Tech and EWU EWU excuse me uh, that's that's a tongue twister for you uh, until they they kick off next Saturday afternoon. So yeah, excited for that and excited to see what we get uh, get this fall. So so this week on on the podcast uh, didn't want to talk as much about the on the field with Tech athletics, but maybe more so off the field with with, with Texas Tech Athletic Director Kirby Hocutt, who I had a conversation with earlier this week on, uh, on on Tuesday, and I'm sure some of you guys have read some of what I've posted from our conversation and uh, think that, that it was, you know, just, just, just a great uh, just, just a great time for uh, me to really reset the deck with him going into his seventh season as the Athletic Director at Tech and uh, really, just get his thoughts on, on on where things are overall for the athletic department, and uh, talk a little bit about the football program itself, and 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 just his thoughts on what he's seen this spring, uh, during the summer and in the fall from the team. And I, th- I think if you haven't you know read any of his comments, I think you may be um, a little surprised maybe by what he has to say is say as far as uh, his confidence level. But uh, I think very interesting comments. And then uh, we'll get a, we got into some uh, facilities talk, and then. A little bit of you know the Big Twelve and maybe what uh, what the future holds. So so yeah. Without further ado, here's my conversation in its entirety with Texas Tech athletic director Kirby Hocutt. I, I guess first, you know, you're going into your set your seventh fall here, uh, six full years you've been here. So uh, seven years in, just where do you feel like things things are at? As, as crazy as it might say, say to sound that number. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> does. Does uh, time flies, yeah. and it does not feel like uh, like six years has, has passed. But uh, I think that's that's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm proud of what uh, what we've been able to accomplish and, and move forward with. But uh, probably more excited about our future. Um, you know, this is my third athletic director position. Right. The first two. I was in for um, approximately three years, and I, I don't think you can change a culture. I don't think you can have significant um, impressions upon an organization in in three years. I, I really think that it takes four to five to really start getting a grasp and 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 
having significant influence on the culture of an organization right. uh, from a leadership perspective. And, and I think we've been successful in, in doing that. I would say that, you know, from within Texas Tech Athletics, for those of us that live and, and work here each and every day, um, I'm proud of what, what we've established internally, the, the, the respect, the um, appreciation from, from within, and the teamwork. Uh, and, and I think that um, there's a sense of teamwork within this athletics department that I would put up against any, any athletic department in this country. We, right. we are together in our, our focus, we're together in our mission and our guiding principles. And, you know, we continue to work to strengthen that and build upon that every day. Proud of uh, you know the, the staff and the team that we have. I'm, I'm proud of the student athletes that we've recruited and the caliber of young people that we have here. And uh, I believe in persistence of doing the right thing each and every day. And if you're persistent in, in that approach, then good things are going to happen. Right. And good things are coming for this athletics department. We've experienced good things, but we're judged by the success that we have at Jones AT&T Stadium. And uh, that's, that's, that's the reality of college athletics these days, and we, we embrace that. And uh, having watched this team through the spring, through the summer, I can't wait for a week from Saturday to kick off this season because I, I, I know how hard these young men have worked, and I know, I know with that persistence, right. success is coming their way. Right. And, and with that, I just wanted to ask, you know, your opinion based off of uh, what you saw during the spring and the summer, what you've seen this fall, whenever you've had a chance to, to peek your head or just, just be over there. What's, what have you seen that, that just makes you, you know, feel encouraged about where this group is at and what they're doing? Yeah, attitude, determination. Yeah. I, I think uh, we got knocked down. We got yeah. knocked to the canvas last year. And I think the mark of being a fearless champion is, is how you stand up in times of adversity. And this – this group of young men, they, they've stood up, and this coaching staff has stood up and um, have, have worked extremely hard um, to, to stand back up and to move forward. And, and that's what we'll do in the next three to four months is, is we'll move forward, and you never know over the course of the season what, what, uh, how the ball is going to bounce right. in certain situations and, and what – Obstacles may be coming our way, but I know that this team has worked hard to put themselves in a position to take um, take significant steps forward. With Cliff, you, you've seen him go over the last, you know, entering his fifth year now, been here for four full years. You've seen him go from a guy in his early 30s to late 30s, and on top of that, obviously, go from being a guy that only coached a couple years to being a head coach for full four years. What have you seen out of him that, you know, has, has changed the most or the most growth and, and just kind of how he's developed? Well, I've seen just that. I've seen growth. Yeah. And and we knew uh, when you, you hire a first-time head coach, it's it's a significant change. Absolutely. Um, you hire a first-time athletic director, it's a significant change. And uh, we've seen uh, Coach Kingsbury grow over the course of uh, his time leading this football program, and and I've continued to see um, the the makings of of someone who is going to be a, a a very good college football coach, and he is. And above all else, uh, 
Cliff is a man who operates with the highest integrity, with the highest character, uh, treats young men with respect, but challenges young men. And uh, Cliff is a man who has an unbelievable drive and determination to be successful and to win with that, win the right way right. And, and do it the Texas Tech way. I see a man who wants to be at Texas Tech who takes great pride in this university, in this football program, in this athletics department, in this community, and, and wants to bring pride to, to all of those areas. And just I appreciate the way that he has uh, – that, that he operates day to day and can't emphasize enough the character of the man, the integrity of the man, and, and the, um, the example that he sets for – the young men in, in this program. So uh, I look forward to, to watching him uh, have success and, and reap the benefits of what he's worked, continues to work very hard for. I'm sure it makes you sleep easier not knowing that about him and just the man he is, especially when you see what some of the stuff that, that's gone the last couple, last year, six months with, with a lot of head coaches in this league. Well, you know, Texas Tech are number one, it's, it's, it's who we are. From within, right. uh, our first guiding principle is, is you know, do the right thing. And uh, number two, it's built in the fabric of this university from our current leadership to uh, leadership who came before to our alumni who have graduated and continue to support this program. Uh, there's there's no tolerance for not doing things. I right. say the Texas Tech way and the right way. And right. Uh, we're not going to cut corners, and we're gonna we're gonna play by the rules and we that's that's how we do things and that's not going to change yeah absolutely um as far as you know the defense goes you're a guy that you played big 12 football at, at one point it's been a little bit now but uh you did so so when you see a guy like like david gibbs going into his third year and, and and what do you what do you see as a guy that did play play defense at this level and in this league at one point for from him and, and that group yeah well Kids on the team now. They don't. I played in the Big Eight <laughs> yeah, conference. Right, they don't yeah. know what the Big Eight conference was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but David Gibbs is a is a talented football coach. He he's had success before Absolutely, he yeah. came to Texas Tech. He uh, has has remained consistent to his drive to build a a a successful defensive team here, and we're going to see signs of that this year. I, I've been I've had so much fun watching. Uh, our defense uh, over the course of this fall camp, uh, we're we're better. We're better yeah. from a personnel standpoint, and uh, these these young men understand the system and the scheme and the language. Just having it three consistent years, you Absolutely. can't continue to have the turnover and transition that that we've experienced, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and expect to 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 have success within this league. So uh, we're we're better this year defensively. Right. Um, you know. scrimmage on Saturday uh, I was uh, I was fired up after watching our our defense play and uh, there's there's a, a different uh, different vibe on that side of the ball this year that I think our, our fans will be excited to see here in a few days they play a little differently than they did whenever you were in the big game yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's a different game <laughs> yeah it's right. it's a different game but uh, you know I'm, I'm always partial to to the linebacking position and I tell you Saturday running with getting the reps with the one Ones inside was uh, Jordan Brooks and Dakota Allen, and then 
those those two young men know how to play the position of linebacker right. are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Right. What's it been like to see seeing Coach Kingsbury in the spring and then the, the summer and the fall? And I think, in my opinion, visibly you can tell it excites the guys on that on the defense side of the ball whenever he's encouraging them and, and how much he's been doing that. What's it been like seeing him really take a a, a bigger hand in that? Well, it's 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 been. Um, it's it's been what you would expect. Um, you know, Cliff Cliff's our head coach. Absolutely, um, yeah. He, he's he's the head coach of you know all 115 young men out there on the field. So they they all want his they all want his time. They no, all no want his attention and his affirmation. And you know, Cliff is Cliff is uh, Cliff has such a, a on the field such an energy. And positive, uh, positive sphere and atmosphere around him, that it, it brings immediate energy uh, to to the team. So I, it's been fun to, to to sit back and to watch as he's become more involved day to day with the defense. Just how the players have 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 reacted because right. it's it's that energy that he brings to the field that they they build off of, and it's fun to see them react to, to his engagement there. Absolutely, absolutely. This uh, this building behind us, SPC, is uh, you're getting close to, to finishing it. So, uh, what can you tell me about the progress and, and where you're at and, and how how things are going right now? Well, it's uh, it's progressing, and we're so proud of it. it it's going to be the nicest uh, indoor sports facility in college athletics when it's done. It's going to be the largest uh, comprehensive indoor sports uh, facility in college athletics, and, and and the finest. It's it's already proven that. Uh, it's beneficial to our football team uh, with the, the, the weather, right. uh, the rain that we've encountered uh, this fall. So I uh, couldn't be more more pleased with the way that that project has turned out. And then uh, also look forward to January 13th, hosting our first indoor uh, track and field meet of the year. And, you know, we're getting the likes of Oregon, Florida State, USC, Texas coming to – Texas Tech University and Lubbock, Texas, to run in these invitational meets. Uh, we'll be hosting the Big 12 Conference Championship meet every uh, every other year. So when you think about the economic impact that we're going to have on this community, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the thousands of high school athletes that will come to compete in track meets here, exposing them to Texas Tech University. Uh, and, and what we have to offer. And I'm, I'm most excited about uh, our track and field team not having to uh, ever sleep in a hotel room right. during the uh, indoor season. So couldn't be more proud of, of what's being constructed there and just so thankful to our donors who have made it possible. It's going to be, be a landmark on our campus right. uh, when people come to campus that they want to come see, and, and it's going to be a landmark that we're, we're very proud of. What was it? Because you, you put up all the blueprints and you make all the plans. What was it like the first time you got to step in it and really just kind of get a, a feel for what it really was? You know, I think just uh, uh, you know, I think just uh, a reality of one the how enormous that facility <laughs> right. is. Yeah. This is a yeah. big facility, right. Right. and and number two, uh, you know, you just. I remember just pausing and, and thinking to the 
initial conversations that we had with the donors who made it a reality. And, and, and that vision that we shared together about giving our programs every opportunity to compete at the highest level, to give us an edge. And uh, you know, when you think back to those conversations and you continue to have um, those interactions with, with those donors, you just think how fortunate we are to have the financial support from those that we have it from at Texas Tech. Absolutely, yeah. Do you have uh, any update on when you kind of feel like, or I guess a completion date right now, or, or what, what track we're on? I know the rain's not helping you out any, but... Uh, yeah, rain's always welcome to It is, right. It <laughs> but, is, right. Uh, yeah, we, we seem to have uh, more than we're accustomed to, which is, right. a, which is a good thing. So, you know, I, I think first of October, realistically, is when uh, we'll feel like that that facility is substantially uh, completed, and um, you know we've we've targeted the homecoming weekend as as the ribbon cutting ceremony. But twenty first, I think that is something like that October, yeah. right? And so, um, yeah. So, but for all practical purposes, our our goal was to have uh, the football indoor football facility available for our team when camp yeah. opens so if weather moved in we did not have to delay or miss practices and wouldn't you know right. the first practice <laughs> of this year thunderstorms are here so wouldn't we that practiced happen. indoors yeah. yeah yeah wouldn't that happen um i guess some other some other facility stuff uh what's just kind of your feeling on, on on where things are at with baseball know that you guys would like to do some things there so yeah. uh what's just what's just kind of going on with baseball could you kind of tell me the latest on uh well, what plans you might have for that yeah you know I guess broadly speaking, we've we've had tremendous success with the campaign for fearless champions, yeah. and we've we've been able to uh, to complete 22 of the 25 projects that we initially set out to to address, and um, you know we're, we're we're now continuing to talk about what's next, right? And and baseball is is a uh, a significant piece of that uh, you know you think about how you started this interview by talking about been here six years and, right. and entering year seven and if you think back to the significant enhancements <laughs> yeah. that have been made know, to yeah. Dane Law Field and Rip Griffin Park unbelievable different stadium different yeah. stadium and um, so you know we, we've got I think the best baseball program in, in the country right now in college uh, baseball. I know we've got the best uh, manager in Tim Tadlock in all of college baseball. And so we want to continue to to uh, think big and to um, uh, make sure that that is the, the best uh, game day experience possible. A um, couple of things come to mind. One is uh, our clubhouse. The uh, clubhouse hasn't been been touched in 10 to 15 years uh, it's it's still efficient but it's like anything when you go through a, a decade plus right. there are renovations that, that you want to do so we want to continue to provide the very best clubhouse uh, and team facilities for 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 the kids on the team uh, the young men on the team and we're going to continue to look at ways to do that and then from a fan experience we could sell um, we could sell 10 more suites, 15 more suites, and probably 
500 more club seats for baseball mm-hmm. today if we add them. So you want to be able to to uh, explore those, and then you know the the concourse of um, the rip hasn't been hasn't been touched. Right. And so how can we continue to provide uh, that better game day amenities and experience for, for our fans with the crowds that we're drawing? You know, we've sold out of, of season baseball tickets right. the last couple of years. So, you know, you want to make sure that you can um, you can meet the fan experience needs of the crowds that we're drawing um, for baseball now. Absolutely. Uh, and, then, and then with basketball, I know you're, you're, you're trying to make some plans on your indoor. I know that that's starting to move along. So – uh, where are things with that, and, and just where are you on that? Well, we we continue to um, to talk about a standalone basketball practice facility. Right. Um, there are there's there's significant interest in that, and uh, we we continue to work through design options as we have um, donor conversations. Um, you know, with the projects. I think it's worth saying that with the projects moving forward just like we did with the sports performance center we can design the project but until we have the 100 percent funding right. identified we can't move forward so with the basketball pra- practice facility uh, those two things are moving um, uh, parallel at the same time working with the design firm to come up with the design and the layout and at the same time having a number of, of donor conversations right. to make that a reality. So uh, I would anticipate that uh, late fall, early winter, uh, we'll have some uh, definite plans on the design, uh, at least to set that vision so we can continue to, to move forward with the fundraising. Do you have any idea monetarily what that what that's going to look like yet for that? Uh, you know, I anticipate that being a 20 to $23 million okay. investment. Okay. And uh, do you know how close you are to being being finished as far as uh, how much you want to raise for that? Um, well, we want to raise twenty to twenty three right, million right, dollars, yeah. depending upon what the right. design lends itself right. to, and it, we work on it every day. And um, you know, we're 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 optimistic that uh, that uh, individuals are interesting, right. interested, and are listening to us. And uh, uh, but we still have considerable work to do there. I got you. Um, no, you all took a bunch of, of trips during the last school year to, to look at other ones and just get some ideas. What was maybe the the overarching things that you saw that really stuck out to you that you wanted to make sure that you, you would do with a facility like that whenever it, it came around? Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost, um, uh, the, the practice gyms is what is, is, is one of the things driving this project. Uh, the United Supermarkets Arena is still the very best <clears throat> playing facility in our league. It's it's first class with the scoreboard and the sound enhancements. You know we're we're very proud of what we have, but it has one practice gym. Right. We have three sports sharing one practice gym. So when we have a concert in town, when commencement is taking place, when there are special events in there, um, at times those events take our practice court offline right so um the need for uh, the two practice courts is is at the core is what is driving right. this discussion um so in in looking at the basketball practice courts we we looked at a, a number of options but uh, very simply we've decided we want a basketball practice court for the men's team and one for the women's team 
Um, you know, I think West Virginia had done a really nice job with the layout of of their entrance mm -hmm. into their basketball practice facility. They have utilized a lot of the uh, audio-visual uh, um, enhancements, technology enhancements that uh, that I think is one of the best that, that I've seen. Um, Oklahoma State, from a team facility uh, standpoint, um, they their team locker room, their team lounge is, is right. probably as nice as, as what I've seen. And, and I think um, uh, both Oklahoma and Texas, uh, with the, the positioning of their coaches' offices uh, within their facilities, um, sticks out to me. Um, we, we like some elements that Arkansas uh, had in their practice gym. Uh, we liked a component that Utah had in theirs. So we've tried to take all of these pieces into our conversations gotcha. with the with the design firm. Was there anything that you didn't see that you, you guys wanted to, to try to put in or anything like that? You know, um, <clears throat> you're always trying to, to you know, make it um, as nice as possible. Yeah. But at the same time, being as responsible as is expected with the resources and dollars that we have. And so, um, you know, we, we, we're working on you know, just some, some thoughts as to how we can meet our student-athletes' needs for, for men's and women's basketball, for everything they would need associated with their sport in, in that building, from, um, you know, from nutritional components to uh, cryotherapy to massage to, you know, float tanks. So it, injury prevention, injury rehabilitation, day-to-day uh, -day maintenance to, to make sure that during a very long season with a very uh, high impact sport absolutely yeah that uh, we keep them as, as healthy and fresh as, as we can to compete at the highest level where right now would, would the plan be for that facility to go if, if you kind of already knew about that yeah so the the location that, that we've identified and we're exploring is uh, west of the United supermarkets arena right, uh, right across Indiana. Uh, there in that, that, that parking lot that sits there now, um, you know, we will take over some university parking places, spots, which means we'll have to replace those somewhere else. But uh, that's, that's the location just west of the United Supermarkets Arena. Um, from an architectural standpoint, it aligns very well with the entrance into this new basketball practice facility being just parallel right across the street from right. the main entrance into the USA. And uh, I guess what was the decision behind that that spot right there, and just why that place? You know, we looked at a, we 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 studied a number of options. We we studied uh, you know some connectivity options that would directly connect to the USA. We looked at a standalone option between the current rec center um, and the United Supermarkets Arena. Just studying all the options, this one seemed to, to, to make the best sense from an architectural perspective on the campus master plan to, um, to the, the uh, accessibility for right. our student athletes day in and day out is probably uh, what, what drove us settling on this location. One, architecturally master planning 
uh, for the campus, and number two, accessibility for our student athletes. Gotcha, makes sense. Uh, this building we're sitting in right now, what, what's your thought process? Know that maybe a couple years down the road still, and, and that's all in planning phases, but uh, just where are things at with, with maybe changing the north end zone here, and, and just what, what do you got going on right now? Well, uh, a lot of a lot of thinking and a, a lot of uh, analysis. I think with the sports performance center, um, it um, it, uh, it, uh, it uh, magnifies the, the the need to do something right. with the north end zone. Uh, the west and east sides of the stadium, the north end, are are, are beautiful. They're completed. For our lifetime, right. um, but it's you know we, we've got a number of conversations that continue to take place as to what is the right approach with the south end zone. How does it tie in with the football training facility building? How does it tie into the sports performance center? Uh, it's really our last opportunity within our stadium to create a revenue stream. So we're studying all options and, and how to address this and uh, working hand in hand with facility planning and construction on campus so um, you know I, I'm, I'm, I want to come up with the plan as soon as possible but at the same time this is the time for us to take our time to put all the options on the table to make sure we arrive at the best solution for the for the foreseeable future for tech athletics and is there any dates or anything loosely that you, you feel like you'd like to have something done or something even in the works or, or anything like that at this point? Yeah, you know, I know I'd said publicly at one time I wanted to go into this academic year with a, a game plan and, and we haven't missed that. So, uh, you know, I, I would hope by, you know, by the time we get to the spring that we've got a, a good understanding of, of what we want to do with this space. But right. at the same time, We'll move as expeditiously as we can in our planning, but we'll take all the time that we need. So I hate to set a deadline, absolutely. But we're we're going to make sure we get it right and that we feel about this south end zone the way we feel about the sports performance center when we move forward. Now that you you finished the north end zone, how did you you feel like the first year went with with that and the club and the low seating and all those things in that end? I, we were extremely pleased with that experience. Yeah. Um, you know the. Donors that sit in that, that club area in the loge seating uh, have had a, a very positive experience. I've not heard a less than positive uh, word about their game day experience. Uh, we would like to, as we think about south end zone options, you know, addressing the scoreboard element on this side of the field for uh, for folks that sit sit on that end of the stadium. So I think that's the one enhancement that could really Makes sense. Um, continue to enhance that game day experience is the scoreboard element. That makes sense. Uh, you know, in, in this era that we live in, and, and since you became an athletic director, you know that just technology and the way that we communicate has so rapidly advanced in that six-year period, unlike maybe ever, ever before. Um, I mean, I was 18 years old when an iPhone came out, so my my generation is really the last one that grew up in an analog world. So, um, what, what is what goes into moving forward? Do you think as far as uh, game day atmosphere enhancements and even talking about this this end zone and, and what you need to do moving forward to try to keep a head step ahead of, of what's probably coming yeah that's that's a great question and it's something we talk a lot about I'm not sure any of us no. uh, 
understand where technology is going. Right. right, it's changed so fast, and uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to to change probably double in the next six years. That's what we've seen most recently. So, you know, we we spend a lot of time talking about how do we how do we provide the experience for individuals to continue to want to come to Jones AT and T Stadium. To, to be there in person to, to watch our games and how can we continue to provide that that element that um, drives people to, to be here and it's so important for us to have have the stadium filled for our team when, when they compete it, it provides a, a home field advantage that, that's so important so uh, we talk about it we, we talk yeah, about the future absolutely. and the uncertainty of it and how you know how it's changing and what we need to be aware of and how do we continue to Enhance the fan elements of, of game day, and uh, and and the 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 thing that Texas Tech has that so many schools out there do not enjoy is twelve to fourteen thousand students that come into the stadium every week. They create the energy. They create the atmosphere and the environments. That, so, in, in football and in basketball, that that people don't want to miss. They, they create that, that edge and that environment that uh, you want to be there to, to be a part of it. So the student body engagement participation that, that we have at Texas Tech is, is truly special. So we spend a lot of time of how do we continue to connect with the student body on this campus to make sure that, that they continue to, to support our athletic teams and, and their fellow students. Absolutely. Uh, it, overall, Big 12, where do you feel like things are right now with, with the league and uh, you know, you're, you're a little bit less than a decade until the grant of rights expires. Just uh, what's your, your feeling, just your thumb on where things are with the league right now and, and the future, especially in such a rapidly uh, changing environment, more on what we're speaking of, of technology and uh, future uh, third-tier party rights and all those things and where all that might be going. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about where we are as a league. I think we sit in a, a great position. First and foremost, I think we've got the best commissioner in college athletics in Bob Bowlesby. Um, second, I think we've got um, 10 uh, universities around the table that uh, appreciate one another, that uh, want to be together. I think um, we've got a, a footprint that is, is so important through Central America, through the Central Time Zone and um, one that uh, is important to, to college athletics. I think the Big 12 Conference uh, took the appropriate steps in moving forward uh, with a championship game uh, this year. Um, so I think uh, that, that 13th game uh, is one that will be important and best position uh, the, the league for CFP consideration. Um, so I think we're in a good spot. I think we're in a good spot for the future. Uh, you know, we still control some of our third-tier rights. I think, we, you know, the third-tier rights that we retain and we control put us in a optimal position for uh, the future right. and, and what's going what's to come. Um, right. You know, you, you, you're hearing more about OTT now. Um, I know when my boys, they say they watch TV. To them, watching TV is Netflix on their iPad. Right. And so 
Uh, I, I like the position that we're in with retaining our, our third tier rights as a league. You know, uh, our, our partner ESPN um, continues to make significant investments into the digital platform. Um, you know, I read an article last night of, of their purchase of BAM Tech, which yep. is the Major League Baseball online digital platform. I'm excited to to uh, see where that develops, and um, you know they've got some of the the best people in the world that understand where it's going and and how um, you know that that area is going to continue to evolve. With that being said, I still think the experience of watching live college sports on a big screen television. That experience, if you're not going to be in the stadiums, can't be replaced right now by a mobile Great. device. So I, I think the advantage that we have is we own our third-tier rights. Our partner continues to invest and to um, uh, build a platform on, on next-generation digital age. And at the same time, uh, live sports content continues to be uh, valuable from a, um, from a provider standpoint. So thanks so much to to Kirby for uh, spending you know a, a good chunk of his day with me you know this simple this simple country bumpkin but uh, appreciate it so much because he's an extremely busy guy and know uh, you know it took effort to sit down and meet with me for for as long as he did so uh, really just wanted to again just emphasize how much I appreciate uh, uh, Kirby and just just his openness as an athletic director that he is with the media and and with folks like me I think. So let's 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 just uh, let's just kind of break down a little bit of what he had to say here, and we'll start with the football team and just his thoughts overall on, on on the football season. And I think for me, you know, while I obviously expected him to have, I think, a positive outlook as the athletic director, I think that's partly his job, you know, to always you know put things in their best light. I, I think at the same time, I was still I, I was still a bit surprised, I guess, with his candor. And just the level, I think, of uh, confidence that, that that he showed and the wording that he showed, specifically when it came to uh, the defense and, and just where he thinks this team is, because this isn't necessarily the first time I've heard this either, that, that I think based off what he's seen uh, throughout the summer and what he's seen in fall camp, that, that he, I think even behind closed doors, was maybe uh, excited about this football team. So it was just interesting to me to hear him specifically talk about the defense and uh, the depth and the difference of, of, of that roster and just his thoughts on the team. So, you know, I, I think if, if what he said comes to fruition this fall, I, I think we're all in for, you know, a, a pleasant surprise of a football season and, and you keep moving forward with this. So, uh, But you never know uh, until you get out on the field on a Saturday. I think every coach in the country has certain thoughts on players on their team, on units of their team, their expectations for uh, growth, the, the trajectory of their football team once they get into fall camp and once they get uh, you know to the first game. And then I think things always change. I think I think like anything in sports, uh, I think you always plan and prepare and expect certain things, but but things always end up a little bit differently than you thought. But it, it, it's easy to understand where his, to me anyway, it's easy to understand where his confidence comes from. I think when you look at just how different the roster is on defense and uh, what uh, what what they've just kind of done depth wise, I guess, and, and some of the playmakers you've added on on, on that unit and uh, Dakota Allen, Octavius Morgan, 
I, I think Eli Howard. I think all the, the other guys you brought in uh, as depth pieces, like I said, I think the maturation, just one more year of guys like Broderick Washington, Joe Wallace, Jayshon Johnson, Jordan Brooks, uh, Des Smith, Doug Coleman, on and on and on with all these guys who played last year as freshmen and sophomores that just keep getting older. Brain Stringer, another guy. But yeah, I, I, I just feel like there, there's there's reason for optimism. I think especially when you look at on offense and, and just what Coach Kingsbury has always done as an offensive coordinator himself, where even in years where it's not incredible, I think you still feel good about the products you have on the field. So so I understand his optimism, and, and I certainly will find out here, uh, I'd say in the next three weeks, whether uh, that's going to hold true or not. But uh, I, I think it's, it's it's just interesting to me how, how optimistic he was. So uh, breaking down some of this facilities talk, I think uh, with the SPC, we won't touch on that as much since, since we've talked about it quite a bit. But I, I think one thing Kirby did say about it that I wanted to touch on quickly was you don't really understand how large that structure is until you get up next to it. And, and I do think once it's completely finished, that, that Tech really did a bang-up job on this and, and, and could not have uh, done more with an indoor facility of that kind. So I, I think you guys that have not been to Lubbock and have not been around it to see it, I, th- I think you're just going to be so pleased with what it looks like uh, once you see it in person or you see the finished product, I think, on TV during a football t- game. Because I think if you don't know, if you're looking – at the south end zone from anywhere in the stadium, that structure looms large uh, over the top, you know, like the bubble did, but tenfold. So excited to see what that looks like once they get it finished, obviously. As far as with basketball, uh, it's interesting to me that I think you just kind of keep planning along as as you keep gathering funds and and you're not quite there yet, but it sounds to me like once you get those funds secured, we're going to see a lot of forward movement on this basketball facility. And, and I think uh, very cool that, that, that Kirby and I know several uh, boosters involved and, and several folks within the athletic department that would be involved with the planning of a facility like that uh, took a lot of trips during the offseason to get some ideas and, and things to just kind of scratch down and uh, future notes for a facility like that. And I think they're, they're very far along in the planning stages uh, of that. So, uh, eager to see what that ultimately looks like because at this point in college basketball, as far as big-time Power 5 college basketball, a facility like that, much like the SPC was for football and much like you needed an update for your indoor track team, uh, I, I think at this point in, uh, a separate practice facility for basketball is a must, especially with how Kirby noted and uh, there's just one practice gym. And so if there's not an event going on, you essentially have the practice gym and then the actual court uh, inside the USA. And so there was always an odd man out whenever it came to men's basketball, women's basketball, and volleyball. And I think that that's been a big source of frustration, I think, for a number of coaches on staff, as it should be, uh, because a lot of the other places, teams are practicing when you can't. Uh, a lot of these facilities are open to the players 24-7, and that one obviously can't be so it to me it, it's just an absolute must and I'll be uh, extremely eager to see what they come up with and uh, see you know if, if they kind of hold to this deadline of you know late fall early winter whenever they, they move forward on it. so excited to see what that looks like um, with baseball and, and maybe the one that people are talking about the least with this essentially you know what? What he what he hinted at is obviously they want to do clubhouse renovations. I think that's been talked quite a bit, and that's in the works to to, to get your clubhouse uh, 
just kind of revamped from the ground up because it's in desperate need of 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 uh, change. Because as uh, Kirby said, it's it's been well over a decade since you touched it, and I think it's just a very outdated facility for for, for college baseball at this point. Um, but 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 I think it too holds true to show what success does for a program with the fact that you know Kirby confidently noted that you know they could sell ten more suites and and probably uh, five hundred more club seats today and and I think while he hinted at it and didn't say much to it I, I think that's very much in the works to add more uh, club seating I think similarly to what you see down the right field line I think they want to do that down the left field line as well with club seating and, and do that with some more suites that they add on and I think that's in the that's in the planning stages as well and then I think with the concourse as as you know that hasn't been touched and I think they just want to do a lot of uh, facelifting to a lot of things around the around around Rip Griffin Park and uh, really take things to the next level to give you one of the premier uh, college baseball venues in, in the entire country, which I think you're already uh, in the upper tier. But I think a, a couple of more additions to that facility would really make it one of a, a small handful of, of, of special places in college baseball. And I think very warranted after the, the turnout you've had and how much people in Lubbock love uh, college baseball. So eager to see what that what that ultimately turns into. As far as with the south end zone, um, I, I think the thing to take away from that, as as Kirby noted, is they're still trying to find what the best way to monetize that end zone is because it's, as he said, their last opportunity to create a new revenue stream within the stadium itself. And, and, and like he also said, whenever you look, and as I said a second ago, whenever you look out to the south end zone from inside the stadium, it's it's pretty apparent, you know, how far behind I think that specific uh, that specific building is in comparison to the SPC now looming so large behind it, and I think all the improvements that you've made on the west side and the east side, and now the north end zone. So I, I know there's several different thoughts as far as what they'd like to do uh, with the south end zone. I think one of those thoughts being you know similar loge style seating and and club seating as is in the north end zone. And I know that there's been bandied about some talk of uh, possible, you know, commercial, you know, ventures as far as uh, spaces as, as it comes to that, that that south end zone that would be pretty revolutionary, I think. So that's still all in the works. And I think as far as all of your major projects, that's still your furthest one out, obviously, and believe you're still, oh, you know, probably at least a year and a half or, or so before there's any real movement on that maybe but uh, you never know every once in a while you know these things these things pop up and you have a donor uh, show up or you have some circumstances that change so these things are always uh, rapidly evolving and, and as far as, as the big 12 goes it's been the interesting talk here over the last the last couple of months and even over the last year where it seems to me like everyone has including OU and Oklahoma State um, Everyone has seemingly kind of settled back in, which is interesting to me as as far as how uh, much turmoil there seemed to be with with Oklahoma, uh, with David Boren, and, and just really the Sooners in general over the last uh, five years. But the thing I'm I'm curious about too was whenever your grand rights expire here in in six seven years, I, I'm just curious to see what the money looks like as far as uh, TV deals and, and what that even is at that point. Because with the rate that people are cutting cable and 
transferring over to streaming services and, and, and just the way that it's become such an abstract deal as far as the idea of watching television. It's no longer a regimented uh, schedule in, in, in anymore for the most part. Outside of you know live sports, I think most people just watch their TV whenever they want to, whenever they get a chance, uh, whenever they get time, and they fill in the gaps instead of making things appointment television outside of live sports anymore or any other kind of live event on TV. Things are just... Um, I guess the easiest way to say it is is we move TV around our schedules instead of moving our schedules around TV now, which has been the biggest change, uh, I would say, specifically in the last two years, but obviously within the last um, even even four or five years. And so my thought is, I, I just wonder what the money will look like if ESPN and Fox aren't trying to just hand out, you know, shovel out you know, wheelbarrows full of money to everybody involved. And, and how do people like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Google uh, and, and YouTube, how do they get involved with this? And I think particularly first with third-tier rights and later on first-tier rights, uh, how do they get involved with, with streaming and, and, and what would they be willing to pay for that? Because I think you have to wonder if, if they add another base of users and, and, and what does that really add to their... Uh, to them monetarily, you know, how many more users does that add for them? Because obviously, with all those things, it's it's all subscription based, which cable is. But but I think that had just become a universal deal where everyone had a cable subscription, as as far, as opposed to not everyone has. Believe it or not, a Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, Amazon, Google, whatever memberships. So, to me, that's that's the thing to me that is the most interesting development that will happen here in the next four or five years. And I think too, as far as attendance goes, which I would, which I was trying to touch on a little bit with Kirby, um, how does technology and the evolution of how we uh, digest our live sports and how that continues to evolve with social media so interwoven into that? How does that really change? So I, I'm just curious to see what happens there over the coming years. So once again, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Uh, you know, having a lot of fun with this, going to be more frequent during the season. And once again, thanks so much to Kirby for, for sitting down with me and to really kind of break down some things before we got into the year. Just just a little bit, um, you know, just a week until the season gets started. Excited to get it going, and uh, we'll have so much football talk here from now on out, and uh, you just kind of get into the stream of it. So excited to do it. And once again, guys, thanks so much for listening.